0: Happy pay-per-view UFC 281 Fight Week, everyone, along with Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Uh, I made this joke earlier to Will. I will make it again. My apologies for my voice. It sounds like my voice has been through championship rounds and has been thoroughly dominated. Will, how are you, my friend?
1: You know, I I feel like the amount of excitement that's in your voice is kind of taken over a little bit. I feel like you're making a comeback. Late, late in the fight. You're making a small, you're making a small comeback, but you know, you, you've been through a lot, but I feel like we're coming back a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. Uh, it's fight week MSG. I mean, there's nothing better than this, than this man. Uh, it's a big fight feel, a big card feel. So I'm ready to get into it, man.
0: So I was so busy over the weekend. I didn't have a chance to watch, uh, fight night, uh, Marina Rodriguez of a So last night, as I was watching Monday Night Football, I simultaneously watched the fight night card, and then I went back and watched both adesanya pareda kickboxing fights, and then I just went down a long rabbit hole of uh, of UFC fights on YouTube and on Fight Pass. So it was it was like uh, last night was a total geeking out on uh, on MMA. But yeah, this fight week is awesome. I even watched the first episode of uh, Embedded last night, which I usually don't even start until like Thursday. Like Thursday rolls around and then I'll I'll like knock out like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then like on Friday I'll usually knock out two. You know, like I, I never watch them day by day. It's always like the accumulation of them. But yeah, last night in all of my uh geekiness catching up on everything, I even knocked out the uh the ten minute embedded episode one. Yeah,
1: you know, I'm I'm the opposite. I watch embedded as they come. Okay. Because I feel like normally, especially on a big pay per view like this, uh I'm trying to I'm trying to get in all the content I can, whether that's fights, the countdown. Um, mainly, it's it's old fights, but it's especially you know the the, the breakdowns of uh, of you know the podcasts I like to listen to, uh, and I haven't even got to those yet. I've just, I've really just been, uh, it's only Tuesday, yeah. I've really been just getting in the the fights, because as I'm trying to break down these fights, and as I'm trying to like decide who I really think is going to win, there's a lot of fights uh, that. A lot of these fighters have had previously that kind of factor into their opponents tonight or uh, on that that they're going to fight on Saturday. So uh, did a lot of uh, of of tape study, even though I'm not going to be fighting anyone. But (laughs) it's good. It's uh, it's been pretty good, man. Uh, I can't wait to get into the rest of the week, man. And did you know um, that the press conference is not going to happen on Thursday? It's happening uh, on Wednesday.
0: I, I was not aware of that. So thank you for the heads up. I had not seen that update.
1: Yes, the the presser with all the main card fighters will be taking place tomorrow. So. so basically
0: this time tomorrow, as we record this on Tuesday evening, this time tomorrow we will be watching the press conference.
1: Absolutely. Yes, sir.
0: Can I just say that I'm desperately going to miss Sean Strickland being in the same press conference as Israel Adesanya? The,
1: that is the only guy who's kind of like had Izzy on his toes. I feel like Izzy's had a good, um, a good idea of what to expect from Robert Whitaker and uh, uh who else is Jared Cannonier, Marvin Vittori. But Sean Strickland kind of came at him with some shit that he was like, whoa. And yeah, they weren't even fighting. <laughs> Let me take like, a step back. I've That's, never yeah, seen anybody
0: even... get under Israel out of skin until Sean Strickland did it at the last press conference and they weren't even fighting each other. It was it was hysterical. And it,
1: it made people really want to see Israel Adesanya and Sean Strickland. Like, had Sean Strickland beat Alex Pajeda, we would be talking about Israel Adesanya and Sean Strickland at MSG instead of Israel Adesanya and Alex Pajeda. Of course, the fight happened how it happened. But Sean Strickland put himself in a position to get a title shot uh, with the big win. Uh, That fight was going to sell itself. The press conference would have been outstanding. The fight would have been great. I mean... We missed out, but, I mean, the main event we're getting is good, but still, Sean Strickland stole the show on that press conference last year.
0: Yeah, look, this is a better fight, but the better press conference absolutely <laughs> would have been Israel Adesanya-Sean Strickland. The better fight week, I would say, would have been Israel Adesanya-Sean Strickland. That would have been incredible for an entire week, and then I, it's probably a bloodbath uh, in, in a in the championship fight setting, uh, but this is the better fight for sure. But the the hype train and the hilarious moments that Sean Strickland would have gifted all of us Uh, on a fight week against Israel Adesanya would have been incredible. And it was also funny because he's talking trash to Izzy, but, like, propping up his opponent at the same time. Like, it was, you know, like, nobody is going to do that except for probably Sean Strickland. And now we're talking about uh, Sean Strickland on a UFC 281 (laughs) podcast, right? Like, I, I mean, a lot of people have kind of
1: forgot about that, but still... That was that was epic what he did that it day. Uh, it made it really made people really want to see Israel Adesanya and Sean Strickland. I mean, not even in a fight, but just put these two uh, in a press conference. Just Izzy and Sean Strickland, and everyone would have probably paid some money for that because Sean Strickland was on one that day. And I can only imagine what would have happened if like Israel Adesanya was the sole focus that he had to, that he had to deal with. Another thing that was just so funny about that, like you said, Sean Strickland was hyping up his own opponent and stuff to Izzy. And Izzy turns around and he starts talking shit to Alex Mejeda, and I really don't think Alex Mejeda had any idea what Izzy was what Izzy was saying. Izzy's like, "I put you on skates. I put you on skates," and, and Alex is just sitting there, like uh, he is, he knows that Izzy's mouth is moving, but he just has no idea what's coming out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like he was like his he was mentally somewhere else until Izzy started speaking to him. Then he looked at Izzy and he was like, "What?" What is happening? Right, like he was probably thinking about like what am I going to eat for dinner tomorrow, or you right. know, like he, he he like he just had that look when Izzy finally turned and started talking to him. Like, wait, what? Somebody? Me? Me? You guys are talking to me?
1: Right, and and like of course. When when you're in a press conference and you're, and you're Brazilian or you're speaking another language or whatever, you have your translator. So Izzy turns around and, and starts talking to him, and obviously he's not saying anything polite or respectful. He's over saying, yeah, yeah, I'll put you on skates and all this stuff. And Alex is just sitting there, like you said, in another world, probably thinking about, man, I got I got this much to weight to cut or what I'm going to eat after this fight or whatever the case is. But his, he was not locked in on a press conference at all.
0: I am I am just very intrigued to see how Izzy handles himself this week. And if it looks like business as usual for Israel Adesanya, or if maybe we start picking up on different nuances about him, uh, because look, the reality is whether he put Alex Bahate on skates or not, that is irrelevant. He has lost twice to this guy. Now it was a different sport, right? It's kickboxing, not in MMA, but he's lost twice to this guy. That in some way is going to impact him. Maybe it impacts him in a really good way, right? Maybe he he channels all of that into... Uh, the ultimate motivation and the ultimate, you know, fuel the fire to be the best fighter he can possibly be. Or maybe there's doubt creeping in within him. Like, this guy's beat me twice. And maybe he he tries to be even bigger this week than he normally is to make up for, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look. But I think, like, that is something that is intriguing to me. The psychology involved in something like this, in a fight like this. We talked about this with, like, the Colby Covington-Usman rematch, right? Um the psychology involved with how maybe these guys handle a week like this when there is history and there's personal history and how, you know, they, they, I guess, project their personality, um, in a, in a week like this versus like what it would be on any other fight week.
1: Man, I I tell you what, um, from what I've seen from Izzy, you know, just in, in interviews and, you know, if you keep up with his, uh, with his video blogs and stuff that he posts on YouTube, um, it seems like he's in a good headspace. Uh, he's not really trying to get under his opponent's skin. I think he knows uh, there's a lot of pressure on him, and I think he's kind of uh, in the right in the right state of mind to handle that uh, as of this point. You know, um, I don't know what's going to happen in the uh, in the press conference or at the at the weigh-ins or whatever the case is, but um, it seems like he's been very locked in from the from the beginning on uh having a really good training camp taking it up to levels that he hasn't even seen before taking it um uh, passing his own levels that he didn't even know that he had um he talked about that a lot Um, i think one other thing i don't think he he says that this fight is personal and i i think i think that's as truthful as he can be because there's a lot of fighters who will say this isn't personal but when you've lost to the guy twice and one time you got knocked out uh it's the only time that you've ever been knocked out in your in your career um that like you said that does something to you uh, he he's got he's holding on to that but it's, like you said it's in another sport and now we're in the ufc now he's the middleweight champion he's defended the title six times this is his seventh defense um, he's got a lot of pressure on him a lot of people are looking at alex as the guy that's going to make him fight but still is he's the one with the legacy on the line Alex Bajed has had how many MMA fights? Like, Alex Bajed is only like four and one or three and one, whatever the case is. This, is, this will be his fourth guy. UFC
0: fight, for crying out loud.
1: Yeah, this is going to be his fourth UFC fight. And, of course, he's, he's got this title fight because of what he did to Izzy at kickboxing. There's no other way around it. Uh, Izzy understands that this guy was brought in specifically uh, for, this, for this fight, for this moment. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure on him. But I feel like from what I've uh, heard from him over the last few days... He's in the right headspace, and I don't think he'll fight uh, outside of himself uh, with so much uh, riding on this fight.
0: You know, I think the conversations around this fight are are so fascinating, again, because Israel Adesanya, in the middleweight division at least, Will, has been pretty much invincible, right? Like, the closest thing that we've seen was the last Whitaker fight, which I felt like was close, but it wasn't close. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like Izzy easily won that fight, but— Like, I guess you can make the argument that the rounds were at least from a scoring standpoint reasonable enough that maybe a couple times you could have gone Robert Whitaker's way. I just think stylistically, it's so difficult for Robert Whitaker at the end of five minutes to look like he had the better round than Israel Adesanya. It's just a a matchup nightmare. Um, Israel Adesanya has absolutely wiped the floor with this middleweight division in the UFC. And, you know, simultaneously, the people that act like Alex Pereira isn't getting this shot because of the history, you're out of your mind. He, there, no other fighter is getting this opportunity uh, if, if there wasn't the prior history, right? And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, I think, I think Panetta could win this and be the world champion on Saturday night. So to say that he's cutting the line, like, there is a reason he's cutting the line, but that also doesn't diminish, like, what he can't accomplish. Like, both can be true, right? He can be a realistic threat to Izzy, but we can also admit that he wouldn't be getting this shot if there wasn't the prior history, because he's only had three fights in the UFC for, for crying out loud. Like he's not even, he's not even beat a ranked opponent, right? Uh, he beat Sean Strickland and that's it. Like one ranked fighter.
1: Yeah, the, the UFC knew the, what they were doing, fast tracking him, because while Alex has a history with Izzy, Izzy is also clearing out the division. He's beaten Robert Whitaker twice. He's beaten Marvin Vittori twice. He's beaten Paulo Costa. Um, he's beaten Kelvin Gastelum. He, you know, there's no real, you know, threat there like he beat Kananir also so like there's no real like contender out there that Izzy hasn't fought and there's nobody I want to see him matchup. fight over Pineda right like absolutely there's that's, nobody that's there thing. either if you can if you could create an adversary for Israel Adesanya you would create Alex Pajeda you would create someone who's a kickboxer with knockout power someone who Izzy can't just fight at distance and just leg kick and jab the whole fight like Alex Pajeda is a guy who's got link on Izzy, who's probably—he's he's he's, ta- he's at least taller than Izzy. I don't know if his if his reach is is uh, longer than Izzy, but this is a guy that Izzy's going to have in his face. Like, he's going to have to be in the pocket. He's going to have to take some chances, and we haven't seen that. Like, that's not going to be the case against Robert Whittaker, Jared Kananier, Marvin Vittori. All those fights look so similar because Izzy's able to fight those guys at distance and use his kicks, but Alex Pajeda comes from Izzy's world. Comes from Izzy's world— beat him twice like there's no other way that the UFC could go like you've got to uh like it, Izzy's made this so easy and now you bring in the one guy who's gave him like black marks on his in his career I mean of course it's on Bohevich in the UFC yeah. but this is the only guy who's knocked him unconscious and made him a meme you know his eye, Izzy's eyes rolling in the back of his head you, know, you see him unconscious and all that this is the one guy that's ever left Izzy like that so this is just great um great on the on the UFC to to make this happen. And like you really don't need to see Alex to fight all these ranked guys. When one, there's a story. When two, he's beat him twice. And three, like, who do you really want to see Alex to fight? Like, who does he need to fight in order to get to Izzy? Izzy's a striker. We know that Alex Paeta is a kickboxer as well. So he doesn't need to fight any of these guys who's going to just try to wrestle him. Robert he fought Whittaker the only or,
0: other option that was there for Izzy, right? Like, and knocked him out in the first round. Like, Sean Strickland yeah. was the only option left for Israel Adesanya because the next guy, Jack Hermanson? Like, no. do we think Jack Hermanson <laughs> needs needs a title shot? Like, I, I, I like Jack Hermanson, but Jack Hermanson's not on the doorstep of title shot right now.
1: Absolutely not. And, and Sean Strickland was on the doorstep. Like, he was literally right there. He was and next. it was the... It was a very big risk for him to take the Pajeda fight. Um, I was thinking like it was going to be like a Derek Brunson or something like that. But for Sean Strickland to take that fight, he was on a big winning streak, undefeated at middleweight. For Pajeda to win that one fight, for me, that warrants him a title shot. I mean, that's that's a big uh, step up from what he was fighting. Uh, before that, he fought Bruno Silva, who wasn't ranked, got a, a, a decision win, but beating Sean Strickland on International Fight Week, that that to me. That makes Alex Pajeta, uh the top contender, yeah uh, in the Midway division.
0: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And again, if if there's not the backstory there, um, it's you know that fight that fight would have never had. like let's be real. Pajeda's not even getting the Sean Strickland fight if there's not the Izzy backstory. So um, yeah, if you're if you're ignoring like the backstory playing a factor here, that's completely false. I think you said maybe the most valuable thing that that can be said in this podcast, and you know we' still got a long ways to go, but if you could literally create a fighter, to put on the other side of the octagon from Israel Adesanya in the middleweight division, this is the guy. This is the guy you would create. If this were a, a video game, this is the guy you're creating to put on the other side of Israel Adesanya. That's it. Like, and that's why this is such an intriguing match. And the fact that they do have history makes this, I think, one of the most intriguing fights of the entire year, of all of 2022. Um, as this is the, basically the second conversation we've had because we, we already did our, uh, our radio show. No big deal, by the way. Theblitztulsa.com if you want to go find that. Um it's uh it's interesting because I I last night I rewatched, and I've watched them before, but it's been a while. I rewatched both uh Izzy uh Podeta kickboxing fights. There were in both fights, so many massive exchanges, right? So many, like they're just trading like big shot sequences from both guys. And I think there is I think when you do the math, there's a lot of people that think this fight's going to look exactly like those did. I I don't know how much willingness there's going to be from either guy to fight that same sort of aggressive fight, because you're talking about a massive difference in the gloves, right? Neither one of those guys, I feel like, is surviving the amount of big-time shots that that were landed in those kickboxing fights.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's kind of it's kind of funny when you see Izzy fight like that now, uh, like back in kickboxing, because now he fights so uh, strategic and so at a distance and everything. But like back in those kickboxing fights with a guy who's as powerful as Alex Pajeda, he was in the pocket trading, like you said. I mean, his 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 punches didn't have as as much pop as uh, Alex Pajeda, because Pajeda's clearly the the, uh, more powerful guy. But Izzy's in there touching him. He's he's in the fire and he's willingly in the fire. Uh, picking his shots um, and that first fight was really really close they were going back and forth exchanging big big shots I did think that Pejeda landed the, the bigger shots but I thought Izzy was more active I, I thought I've never scored a kickboxing fight before but I thought it was just a case of what what did you like more did you like Pejeda's power or did you like uh, Izzy's volume more uh, on the night it seemed like um, well obviously Alex Paheta's, uh power won the judges over but I definitely felt like uh, Izzy was in that fight and that could have went to him. Uh, and then, you know, the second fight, Izzy, like he said, put him on skates. Uh, Izzy was winning that fight. Izzy sat him down, uh, but he got overzealous. Um, he, tried to, he tried to put him out. He tried to make a statement. And that's not how Izzy fights. I mean, we've seen him in the UFC uh, when he gets when he has people hurt. He doesn't—he he picks his shots. He doesn't just go in overzealous and, and blow himself out like he did against Alex Pajada in that second fight. And it cost him because as soon as the next round started, Pajeda put him down. And he and, and Izzy will even say he got overzealous, uh, he blew his wad, and then uh, that next round he didn't really have anything left, and Pajeda put him out. I mean, we, we see that happening in the UFC all the time. But, uh, you know, Izzy is too smart of a fighter to let that happen again. So— I think both guys, both guys know what they're what's what's ahead of them. Yeah. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this fight's going to be fought. I think there's so many scenarios. It could be a a, a fight where they're just trading back and forth, uh, just kind of touching each other for five rounds. Or it could be an all out war, a, a brawl. You know, we don't know. But um, I think it's very, very interesting.
0: I, I would guess that, that Pereira is going to force the action, right? And Izzy's going to fight the fight that Izzy always fights. Although, I will say, you know, part of the reason Izzy fights the type of fight that he does is because nobody can match him in the striking department, right? And for most guys, even if they're not talented grapplers, the path to victory for them is grapple Izzy if you can rather than just let him pick you apart in striking because nobody's gonna, nobody in this division can outstrike Israel Adesanya except maybe this guy, Um so I think part of part of the reason he doesn't go forward as much is because he's he's not going to allow somebody to have that opportunity to maybe take him down or or try to grapple him. Uh, and he's just going to win the fight in the stand up. And that's what he does every single time. The second side of this is, again, in kickboxing, those gloves, you're not nearly as worried about the big shot putting you out right as you you should be in MMA. Uh, so I, I think Izzy's probably going to look very similar to what we've seen from him. Uh, to this point. I, I don't imagine that we're going to see him go forward any more than we have, uh, although I don't think either guy is a, a takedown threat necessarily. Um, Alex Pineda, though, I'm, I'm very curious what the approach is. I think he's going to be the one that uh, is going forward. I think he's going to have the octagon control. But look, he he also, for I mean, he won those two fights, but Izzy, he got rocked by Izzy. Like, he knows that Izzy can rock him. And again, we're not talking about kickboxing gloves. Like, if Israel Adesanya lands some of the same shots... On Podeda that that he landed in those kickboxing fights who's to say that that doesn't finish Alex right like those were big shots and uh he got rocked so and and I would say this I, I think that Izzy is definitely the more accurate guy of the two I think Izzy's defense at least we you know we haven't seen much of, of Alex in the UFC but Israel's defense to me is elite right potato got hit a lot against Bruno Silva um I you know again I don't know how different that looks stylistically fighting somebody that's more in the wheelhouse of of what you do, uh, but this is so much fun, man! I I can't wait for this fight. It's gonna be awesome, and this will be a uh, this will be one of those like even if there's not a single strike thrown in the first round, like I will be like on the edge, like I'll be chewing fingernails right because you're just waiting for one exchange that could potentially end the fight.
1: And and that's how it is. I mean, even if they're just kind of touching each other. Throughout the first, uh, throughout the first round, we know that Alex has that that left that that hand is is like a hand of steel. I mean, he touched on Strickland with that thing one time, and it was just it was a wrap. Uh, Izzy with his, with his kicks, with his punches, like we may see a side of Izzy that we've never seen before. I think that's what's very interesting about this fight for me. I mean, this is a guy who can fight him in in areas that nobody else has been able to. Um, the, like the distance just doesn't matter. Like I remember. <clears throat> watching uh john jones fight alexander gusterson for the first time and sp- seeing how alex was able how since alex was so tall how john's reach advantage was kind of negated um it's i feel like it's going to be this uh, a similar thing with this fight like izzy's not going to be able to manage his distance that well and th- even if he is Alex head is going to be able to get to him in a way that nobody else has he's got to be uh he's got to be perfect for 25 minutes um, because if Alex touches him once it's, it's over. So yeah, like you said, it's very interesting. It's very intriguing. I mean, I feel like this fight may not be as grueling the first couple rounds. So Alex will have his power late into the fight. So that makes like, it's is gotta be perfect defensively for 25 minutes. That's there's no other way around it because Alex's power is just so uh, devastating that if he touches Izzy, it could be a wrap.
0: Uh, what, what, what do, what do you think when you hear people talk about potential grappling in this in this fight? I mean... Because I would be floored, like, beyond shocked. If one of these guys goes for a takedown, like, I guess maybe if it's, like, Sanhagen against Song Yudong, right, where it's not even, like, a takedown, it's just like, hey, I want you to respect that I might do this. Like, maybe that is possible, but even with that, I think you're putting yourself at major risk of the other guy just wiping you out in that moment, right? Like... Neither one of these guys, per se, is a skilled, quote-unquote, grappler, much ne- much less takedown artist, right? And with both of these guys being as dangerous as they are striking, I don't see either one of these guys putting themselves in jeopardy of even trying to get a takedown, knowing that in that process, the other guy might end the fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, these guys are kickboxes at heart. And I know that deep down inside, even though this is an MMA fight and the biggest organization MMA organization in the world and you're fighting for the for the world championship i think there's still um a little bit of pride that these guys want to prove i'm still the better kickboxer right but i uh, i think the grappling will only be introduced into this fight if somebody gets rocked if somebody gets hurt um i think if like possibly i'm giving this a slim very slim chance but since alex pejeda trains with glover Teixeira, like Maybe um, those training sessions and everything will give Alex Pajeda, like, maybe um, cause to just, like, throw something at Izzy, just to throw something different at him. But, yeah, I don't see this—you know, I don't see much grappling, if at all. I'm I'm on the slim to none of chances uh, with grappling in this fight.
0: Like, it's—and it's not going to be shooting in for a takedown. Like, to me, it would have to happen in the clinch. Like, they're in the clinch, and then one of them decides to try the takedown at that point. But— even then, Will, I don't know how many clinch situations we're going to see here, because both guys are so long, and both guys are so lethal. I, I don't imagine there are going to be many opportunities for these guys to get close enough to clinch. And if they are, like you said, it's probably because somebody is really taking some big shots.
1: Yeah, you know, Izzy kind of clinches a little bit when someone gets when someone gets close. You see that against when he uh, when he fought Cannonier, when he fought Whitaker, like when those guys would get close and maybe they landed something, he would kind of grab them a little bit um that that's a possibility uh, um for izzy as far as a clinch um but outside of that man i don't really see too much clinching you know yeah. maybe, maybe there is maybe there isn't but i think if if there is clinching initiated it's from izzy all
0: right um we will obviously talk about this fight more when we make some picks for ufc 281 this card is absolutely loaded i love this fight card it's going to be awesome on saturday night um Real quick, let's hit some of the fights that took place last Saturday night. The main event was Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Limosh. Um, good chance that the winner of this, which was Amanda Limosh, is maybe first in line for uh, whoever wins the co-main event on Saturday night. But uh, what a performance that was from Amanda Limosh—a fight will that was um, somewhat uh, slow to kind of get going right on, on Saturday night between these two. Um, I thought Limosh was going to come out like a you know a tornado. And to her credit, she she did not. She was very patient. Um, I thought if this fight got into the third, fourth, fifth round, that was definitely advantage of Marina Rodriguez. Um, again, because it was such a slow-developing fight, Amanda Limos was still very fresh when the, the knockout actually happened, and she was ultimately the one that delivered the big shot to win the fight.
1: Yeah, you know, I think she was so patient that it was something that Marina Rodriguez wasn't uh, anticipating. I think uh, it kind of forced—I'm not going to say it forced, but I think uh, Rodriguez— took chances when she probably didn't have to probably didn't need to. Um, she was, Lemos was being so patient that Rodriguez was probably like, you know, I need to, you know, start banging some rounds. Uh, I need to start making something happen. And in the third round, she kind of shot in, uh, I'm not going to say it was like undisciplined or anything, but she, you know, she went into, you know, to, into the fire and, and Lemos caught her. It was a, it was a shot right on the, on the forehead. And, uh, it just completely rocked her. Uh, as far as the stoppage, I mean, I'm never going to say, like, you should have let her take more punishment because, like, that was all that was going to happen was Limos was going to just land more shots. Um, but a, a fighter will always say, let me go out on my shield. I could have took more punishment. You know, we we hear them say that all the time. But I think um, it was only going to get worse. She was only going to take more punishment, and it was just unnecessary pun- punishment that she was going to take. So I think that that was a, a good stoppage. Um, but yeah, big win for Amanda Lemos, man. Big win.
0: I don't mind the stoppage, but I also wouldn't have minded if it had gone, like if they had let it go, maybe just a, a fraction more. Like I, I probably would have even preferred maybe a little bit longer leash. Like I'm not saying a bunch because like you said, it probably was only going to get worse, but she was standing. And at least at that point, you know, I think the initial shock was like, uh-oh, she's in big trouble. But I think by the time Lemos started landing those other shots, at least she was getting her hands up and defending at that point. So I probably would have preferred a little bit more leeway, uh, but I, I don't hate the stoppage either. Um, it was a big shot, and and uh, clearly she was stunned with the original shot out of the gate. Um, as far as what's next, I mean, is, is Amanda Limosh now next in line for the winner of Carlos Sparza and Zhang Weili?
1: Yeah, man. you know, I, I've said this since uh, Amanda Limosch has kind of come on the scene. I really feel like the UFC is really high on Amanda Limosch. Uh, the opportunities that she's gotten, the, the the big time fights that she's gotten, um, she beat Angela Hill. Then she fought Jessica Andrade in a main event. Uh, it didn't go her way, but she immediately gets put into a uh, a co-main event on ABC against Michelle Watterson, Finishes her, and now she gets she gets a main event against someone who was on the doorstep of getting a title shot. And Marina Rodriguez finishes her. So now she basically just kind of takes all takes the spot that Marina Rodriguez had of being like that next contender. I mean, at this point, who is next? I mean, you, there, there's Rose out there, but, you know, um, Rose, we haven't really heard much from Rose outside of, you know, she just had her documentary drop and all that. So I don't really know how much, how close or how far away she is from uh, potentially fighting. Amanda Limos, you know, she just fought. She's talking about being the backup fighter for, for this weekend's fight. So I, I definitely feel like uh amanda limos could potentially be next but i think it depends on what happens with rose but um stylistically a, a fight between zhang Wei lee and amanda limos i mean we talk about how uh, much of a freak athlete uh zhang Wei lee is if you would want to put somebody in a fight with zhang Wei lee and be like well that's interesting put amanda limos in there someone who is very explosive very powerful uh but of course zhang Wei li has got to get through carla uh, that's going to be a, a, a outstanding fight in itself, but just the potential of what a John Lee and Amanda Limosh would be, it would be very, very interesting.
0: By the way, I, I, I prefer Limosh having the next opportunity, but let me ask you how on God's green earth it makes sense that in April of 2022, this is still 2022, correct? Yes. Like The year hasn't changed yet, right? Okay. In April of 2022, Jessica Andrade finished Amanda Limosh, and now Amanda Limosh has jumped jessica andrage in the rankings how on god's green earth does that make (laughs) sense to anybody like again i'm not saying she doesn't deserve the next opportunity but if you're doing a ranking how the hell do you put her above jessica (laughs) andrage when jessica andrage literally just finished her a few months ago like it's not even like it's been like two years it was april of this year
1: not only that like we're talking about a Standing arm triangle choke, like <laughs> the first of its kind in UFC history. I mean, I know that Jessica Andrade jumps from division to division. I think her next fight is going to be at flyweight. So, I, yeah. you know, I know that they probably don't like, you know, having someone who's jumping from division to division, you know, so high in the rankings. But still, like you said, Jessica Andrade literally finished Amanda Limos. There's no way that it makes sense that Jessica Andrade is ranked below Amanda Limos.
0: Yeah. And again, I think Limos deserves the next shot, right? Like, andras has had title shots. Like, you, you know, we want to keep this thing moving and not just have the same people over and over and over. Um, but if that's the case, just take her out of the, take her out of the strawweight rankings, right? I mean, if, you want, if she's going to be a bantamweight uh, or a flyweight, excuse me, then put her in the flyweight rankings only instead of both. But, I, like, how, I don't know how you could write down, if you're making a ranking, how you could write down Limosh name over Cheska <laughs> it, it Like, do these fights not matter? Did that fight not happen? I'm pretty sure I watched that in April. Maybe maybe I made that up in my mind.
1: That's that's why I say that the UFC is really high on, <laughs> on Amanda Limos <laughs> yes. Because like it just makes perfect sense that Jessica Andrade should be ranked ahead of her. Jessica Andrade should be someone who's probably in line for a strawweight title shot. Sure, she's had her shot. She's been champion. She lost the title. She never got a, a rematch for the title. So, I mean, she could potentially be someone who fights... The winner of of Andrade and Waylee, but of course she's going back and forth in between um the divisions, like I said. But yeah, th- like I said, the, the UFC just has like something. They see something special in Limos, and now that she beat Marina Rodriguez, who's on the cusp of a title shot, it's all right. She beat Rodriguez. Like fuck everything else. Like yeah. we we she's she's did what she, what we wanted her to do. She beat the number one contender. And now we're going to put her at the top of the division.
0: What's next for Marina Rodriguez? Because I thought she was next in line. And if she didn't take this fight, I thought she would have been the next title challenger. Uh, she I don't think she had to take this fight, but she did. Uh, it didn't go her way. What do you do with her next? Because she's kind of stuck, right, in this, like, area where the few fighters that are currently behind her in the rankings, she's recently beat. But I, I don't know what you do.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that's a very interesting question. I mean, like you said, she's beaten... Um, Mackenzie Dern, Yan um Amanda Hibas, like a lot of the fighters coming up, she's beat them all. So what? What's next for her? It's a—it's a great question. I mean, maybe you give her the loser of of this Saturday's fight, uh, Carla Enwei Lee. That's that's an option. Maybe you give her Rose. I mean, we don't know what Rose is doing. Um, I still think that you give Marina Rodriguez a a, a high quality, high profile fight, but. Um, there's not many options out there, especially not many options below her. You don't want to really disrespect her and have her fight somebody too low in the rankings. But now that now that I think about it, you could give her um, a Tisha Torres. I don't know how she's far Tisha down in the rankings
0: has she? Yeah.
1: Okay, so. Okay, so after Marina,
0: Marina Rodriguez is currently five, number six is Yan Xiaonan, who she's beaten. Seven is Mackenzie Dern, who she's beaten. Eight is Tisha Torres, who she's beaten. Nine is Amanda Hebos, who she's beaten. Uh, then crazy. Verna Jandaroba is 10. I don't think that they have fought, or maybe I'm just—if they yeah, have, I'm, five, I'm not you remembering don't,
1: it. You don't want to give her that fight. Come on. Uh,
0: and then 11 is Michelle Watterson, who she's beaten. Like, she's beaten five of the, the next six fighters ranked behind her. I, the Rose fight, I think, is a home run. And stylistically, it's a great fight.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, now that you've listed off all those names, I mean, you could give her a Verna Jandaroba, but like, I, I feel like that's too easy. You know, like Marina Rodriguez deserves to be in the discussion with the elite, and I know that she lost to Limos, but she still deserves to be in that, um, in that little, uh, what's the word? Uh, in the I'm not elite say group, ground, right? like, a, like, if we're gonna in pretend elite, that Limos
0: like, didn't lose to Andraj, then I think like Marina Rodriguez probably deserves a little bit of that same leeway with with this loss. For
1: for sure, yeah. she does. And I don't know what's, what Rose is doing, but I, like you said, it's a home run. stylistically. makes a lot of sense. I mean, Rose did lose the belt, and if, you know, we've seen Rose, Carla, we've seen Rose, Wei Lee many times, both those fights. So, maybe you give Rose a uh, new blood in Marina Rodriguez, and then give Lemos a title shot. That just brings, like, a whole bunch yeah. of new blood into the division, and you're not seeing the same thing over and over again, because if 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 Carla beats Wei Lee, I mean, you're not going to give Rose a title shot, you're going to give it to Lemos. But if Wei Li beats Carla. I mean, you could do the trilogy with Wei Lee and, and Rose, but, like, come on now. That like, We've seen that twice already. Yeah. Um, and maybe Rose should win one before she gets back into the title shot because of how much of a dud that Rose-Carla fight was. So it makes all the sense to the world. Uh, Rose, Marina Rodriguez, and then Lemos fights the winner for the belt.
0: I, if If Carla loses, it makes a lot of sense to let Marina try and avenge the loss that she has to Carla, right? Yeah, and then definitely. yeah. Otherwise, though, I like the Rose matchup. And look, I would say this: if if Zhang Wei Li wins, I mean, think about this could go on a pay per view. I mean, the, Zhang Wei Lee versus Amanda Limosh, and then Rose Namahunas and and uh, Marina Rodriguez. Both those fights Perfect. could be pay per view fights, right?
1: Yeah, and and both could be pay per view fights, and both we would we would break down those fights and be so excited, so geeked about yeah, the stylistic people. matchups that we would see. Rose and Marina Rodriguez is. A, a, a skillful strike striker match and then Wei and, and and amanda uh, limos that is just a phenomenal athletic powerful type match i mean we would see a lot of things that we wouldn't really know that women could do with these two so i mean wow Th- those two fights at the top of the uh Starweight division that's why that that division is the best women's division in the ufc
0: no doubt no doubt uh, co-main event was Neil Magny getting the third-round Darce choke submission over D-Rod Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, this fight was uh, a lot of fun. Um, it, you know, Daniel Rodriguez certainly had his moments. Neil Magny had had his moments. Ultimately, I think we were both uh, feeling like Neil Magny. Just this is what he does, right? He makes you fight the toughest fight that you're probably going to face, win or lose. He just he doesn't allow anybody to really find like their fight rhythm. And that was the case in this fight with Daniel Rodriguez. I thought that Daniel Rodriguez was doing some good things, but Neil Magny was making him work for it. And uh, you know, again, it's it's just a—he's it, a frustrating guy to fight.
1: Yeah, really frustrating guy to fight. And like you said, D. Rod did some good things, but I think by the third round, I think he was exhausted. Um, and I, I think he put himself in that position to get submitted. Um, I think it was a clinched situation that he initiated, and Neil Magny just kind of. Um, locked up that Darson uh, was able to get the was able to get the finish. Uh, D. Rod did, did some good things, but I think the experience, uh, the gas tank. There's obviously things that uh, D. Rod can work on uh, in order to become one of the, the elite guys in the division. But you see the potential. You saw it on display on Saturday. He did some great things, but uh, in the end, Neil Magny's experience and like I said um, last week, he just finds a way to win to win these fights. Whenever you count them out, start to count them out, or think that. Um, his time may be, may be up. He always finds a way uh, to, to bounce back off of, a, off of a loss like he had to Shafkot. So, uh, yeah, big-time win for Neil Magny, and then he becomes the all-time uh, uh, wins leader in the World yeah. Division. So uh, props to him.
0: Congrats to Neil Magny. By the way, he called out Gilbert Burns. Uh, you want to see that fight? Because I'm, I'm out on that fight. I, Gilbert Burns <laughs> to me is uh, on, the, on the elite echelon right now, and in terms of matchmaking, that's, that's not what I'm making.
1: Yeah, I mean, Neil Magny props. I mean, I, I think it's a home run as far as the call-out. I mean, uh, yeah, I, think I you did a great, out. Yeah, you did a great job. But I think um, those guys at the top of the Westway division need to fight each other. Uh, Gilbert Burns, um, Hamza Shemaev, Kobe Covington, Bilal Muhammad. Uh, who am I missing? Of course, you got Leon and Usman Leon for the Usman, title. Yeah. Uh, but those guys at the top of the division need to do something. They need to fight because uh, this division is kind of getting held up at the top. Colby uh, Covington, isn't he the number one? No, he's the number two guy now after Usman. He's held on to that spot for a long time. He beat Masvidal, sure, but um, he needs to do something or or else like we need to get Hamza and Bilal in there or whatever the case is. Um, we need to have some movement. And, and Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny doesn't do anything for me or it doesn't do anything for the top of the division. So um, sorry, Neil, uh, but I, I think you'll have to go down a little bit in the rankings uh, for your next fight.
0: Give me, uh, like, Magny Luque. Yeah, uh, that that makes a lot of sense. A, a lot
1: of guys are going to be calling out Luque because, you know, he's got a high ranking, and uh, he's coming off a loss, and I feel like people think he's kind of damaged goods. A couple goods. losses, yeah. Bilal yeah, so,
0: and, and uh, Jeff Neal.
1: Yeah, so um, people feel like he's damaged goods now, so a lot of people are going to want to call him out. I think that's a good fight for, uh, for Neil Magny to take, <clears throat> and it's a good fight for Vicente Luque to try to get back on top. So uh, I like that fight a lot.
0: So, uh, some controversy will on Saturday, I don't know if you've heard about this, but the, uh, the Derek Minner, uh, fight oh, versus, um, I'm just going to call him Shalon cause I, I there's yeah. zero chance I can say the last name there. Um, there was crazy line movement apparently with this fight and then the way that it, it took place and ended, um, apparently there are now investigations into what actually happened. Uh, like, again, a little bit of controversy. I don't know that there's anything there, but, um, you know, the, the sporting world is shining a spotlight there.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if there's anything there either, but it's very, very suspicious. It's very uh, weird. Like, I don't know how much of a coincidence this can be because, like, the line just all of a sudden moves so drastically in the course of, a, of an hour or two or, or whatever it was. The line moving like that, it literally never happens with any fight. And for it to be such a random fight, Derek Minner and... Um, Whatever his name is, I don't mean I don't disrespect him, but I don't I don't even know how to say his name. But for it I to be it's that, it's
0: but I don't, the last name I'm 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 not sure.
1: Yeah, so for it to be Derek Amanda versus Shalon, and then you you get that much of a jump in the line. I mean, and then the fight took place how it took place with the with a quick injury and 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 all that. I mean, I would be very suspicious myself. So yeah. I mean, and then like the UFC just uh, uh, put that rule out there where fighters can't bet on themselves and stuff. So I'm sure they're really trying to uh, really buckle down on stuff like this. So uh, for this to happen, you know, I know the UFC and in, in the whole sports world is like, what the fuck? Like yeah. This can't be a coincidence.
0: Like, look, Twitter is a place where people have crazy conspiracy theories, and I'm not saying there's anything to the conspiracy theories, but I've seen people suggest that this was rigged, right? When you consider the way the injury happened. Uh, and just ultimately what led to the finish. I've seen people suggest that there was definitely an injury before anything happened. Um, and maybe that's you know why it was bet the way that it was. I, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, there's no question that even if it's innocent, uh, just you know looking at how all of this adds up, it at least does warrant somebody asking the question like what's going on here? because uh, it's it's very strange. Uh, we had uh, there were a lot of finishes on this card, by the way. Um, Tagir Ulanbekov Ulan Bekov got the first round finish in two minutes over Nate Manis uh, standing guillotine, will?
1: Yeah. Uh, the thing that stuck out to me most. Uh, did you see that picture of uh, Nate Manis? He made weight uh, at one twenty five and a half and he looked he took a picture. And he just looked so depleted, so sucked out. And then he when he rehydrated, he took a picture of scale of him on the scale. And he had blown up to 180 pounds. It was crazy. Uh, just a few hours after making 125, he's blown up to 180. Um, but in, in terms of the fight, it kind of, I'm not going to say it went the way I expected, but after seeing that, I definitely didn't think Nate, uh, Nate Mannis was going to have a good night. So um, he got finished. Uh, good win by, uh, what, dang, I forgot how to say this guy's name. Is it Lord?
0: Uh, Ulan Ulanbekov? to
1: gear Ulanbekov, Bekov. That, that,
0: yes. That's the way that I'm going. I, I'm not... You know, some of these names... Your are guess not, is I, as good as mine, it's tough. but
1: big win for him. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so the main card started with Grant Dawson and Mark Madsen. Mark Madsen was undefeated. This is an Olympic wrestler. Um, I told you I thought Grant Dawson was actually going to be the better grappler in this fight, which he absolutely dominated the grappling. Uh, he did miss weight, which you know, in some way taints, I think, this win. Uh, but he was completely dominant in this fight, right? In the stand-up, on the ground, uh, he was definitely the better MMA grappler rather than just, like, the Olympic wrestling that Mark Madsen um, has shown to be world-class in. But this was such a one-sided fight.
1: Yeah, the MMA grappling uh, definitely overtook the, the Olympic grappling on this night. You know, the, there's there's cases where this that doesn't happen. But I was kind of sure that, um, that the MMA grappling, especially... With, uh, Grant or with uh, Mark Matson kind of being still kind of new in the game right uh, Grant Dawson's you know been around for a little bit um, I thought the MMA grapple, his MMA grappling uh, would kind of take over but I was impressed with Mark Matson's striking I thought that Mark Matson was kind of getting the better of him um, rocked him on a, on, a, on a few occasions but um, it's always you, you always hear this with wrestlers um, the one thing that the wrestlers hates is defending takedowns and you know being on the defensive with another wrestler. And you, you saw that. Um, and I think by the third round, whenever Grant Dawson got that finish, I think. And those um, leg kicks. Was, yeah, and, the, and, and those leg kicks. Um, it was just a matter of time, especially when they were when he wasn't checking them. and It was just kick after kick after kick. And that, that one that dropped him, I mean, um, you could just see Grant Dawson had a higher uh, or had a bigger uh, arsenal uh, than, than Mark Madsen. But big win for Grant Dawson. But, of course, it's tainted by the, by the missing weight. And he even hit a home run with his call-out, call-out Tony Ferguson, but it's kind of off or not because you got that cloud hanging over your head of, of that weight miss.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, you missed weight and then you call it Tony Ferguson who's on a massive losing streak. Like right. uh, <laughs> Come on, man. That's like a come on, man. Like, come on, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. I bet you do want Tony Ferguson. I bet you do. Yeah. Um, he, he did get
1: a ranking, though, I seen. I saw he got the number 15 ranking.
0: See, that's another thing with... Rank. How can you rank somebody that missed weight?
1: Yeah, that's... He didn't that, win that a 155
0: sure. fight. He wasn't... He yeah. didn't make weight.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's what you give him as like a maybe a consolation to... You know, you don't give him a bonus. Um, maybe you don't give him a Tony Ferguson. But, I mean, skill-wise, he deserves to be in the top 15. But, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't give him that ranking off of missing weight. I'm, I'm with you there.
0: I mean, there's guys like Drew Dober... And, I mean, upcoming on this card, Brad Riddell, who are unranked. And, look, Took this was a Drew nice win, but, like, I'm putting you over, over Drew Dober, for fuck's sake.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: it's tough, but, I mean,
1: you like I said, you see the potential. Yeah. But I just wouldn't do it off of a weight miss. This is like winning a
0: catchweight fight and then getting a, a welterweight ranking off of it. like. <laughs>
1: We're not talking just, about the yeah, other I know. Shit, I know. It. It,
0: just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, like that's just a common sense thing. You didn't make weight for a one fifty five fight, and then you win that fight, and you get a one fifty five ranking. Like, in what fucking world does that make any sense? Like, I like Grant Dawson. I think he's really good. Yeah. And if he had made weight and, and got that win, like this is a completely different conversation. But that that has to be something that is a big part of this, right?
1: Absolutely. That. Otherwise, that why the fuck are we making over. weight? Like,
0: what is the point in cutting weight if if that's the case? Like, why are we even doing it?
1: Absolutely, the weight should take precedent over most most things because, like, like you said, that's that's why there's weight classes. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he missed weight that should definitely dock him from getting a, a, a lightweight ranking. Um, he should be out of the rankings just because he missed weight. I mean, of course, he had a great performance and it was uh, finished an undefeated fighter, but The fact that he missed weight, especially with how loaded this division is, yeah, um, he could have he could have not had that top fifteen ranking. It could have waited for another fight where he actually made weight and had a good performance.
0: Charles Oliveira missed by half a pound and didn't get a belt (laughs) because he missed weight, right? But you're gonna get a fucking ranking by missing weight? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Like again, I like Grant. This is not a Grant Dawson thing at all. Like this is a what the fuck are we doing? That makes zero sense to me like just a common sense thing to me that's all i'm saying it's a common sense like i i just i don't get how that makes sense at all but
1: yeah makes makes a lot of sense to me i'm i'm right there with you man yeah. i mean grand dawsons outstanding like you said he's, he's, terrific, he's great man, yeah. he's got he's got potential i mean m- maybe you put grand dawson with some of these guys in the in the top 10 top 15 he's going to give him a really good fight but um No matter matter how good he looked on Saturday, and he looked outstanding, beating Mark Madsen, who was an undefeated uh, Olympic wrestler, um, you got to make the weight, man. You just got to make the weight. If you
0: don't make the weight, you can't benefit from the win, right? Just like Charles Oliveira didn't benefit from the win. Like, he didn't get the belt because he didn't make weight. That's just to me that makes sense.
1: yeah, it, it seems simple to us, yeah. but for some reason, <laughs> the yeah. UFC is like, why don't we give him a ranking off of that performance? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't make a sense.
0: But, I mean, the guy is deserving, I think, of being considered to be one of the best 15 guys. It just, that probably wasn't the route that I that makes sense to me. Um, all right, your girl Miranda Maverick in the feature prelim got a big win. Um, if, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or any of the other prelims, but for the sake of time, we've got a lot of picks to make, so any thoughts on the prelims? Uh, just
1: real quick on Miranda Maverick. I mean, I, I think it was just, uh, a fight where the UFC wanted her to look good and she looked, and she looked great in that fight, uh, did what she had to do, uh, didn't take much damage. I thought Shannon Young gave her, um, I think she performed well, but, uh, Miranda Maverick just kinda, uh, flexed her, um, elite skill, uh, elite skill on this night and, uh, was the better fighter. So, uh, props to Miranda Maverick, but there was a lot of, uh, of, of finishes. Uh, Pollyanna Viana, that 45-second um, knockout of Jin Yu Fry, that combination that she hit her with, crazy. Uh, Mario Batista over Benito Lopez with the uh, reverse triangle was crazy. Um, uh, who else am I? Jake Hadley, uh, one of the first fights of the night. Um, it was it, the, There was a lot of finishes on this card. A lot of weight misses, too, but <laughs> a lot of finishes. It was an exciting night of fights for sure.
0: There were five first round finishes on this card, which is wild, right?
1: Yeah, it it was it was funny to see the UFC try to kill time with like with promos and with going to the desk and you're just like, uh I mean I know y'all are you know, you got some time to fill, but like let's just get another fight going. Like we don't it have It felt to, like an eternity you know,
0: for some of those. It, oh yeah.
1: Between fights it was it was awful, man. Yeah.
0: That was a <laughs> card that had very little pace, uh, for sure. It didn't feel like it was flow. It was just like fight long break fight long break but yeah all right ufc 281 at madison square garden on saturday night what a fight card and as as we talked about with ufc 280 uh now that we've arrived to fight week will I, I i very much think there's an argument that the hype of this card is deserving to be right there with 280 i i mean this card is spectacular
1: yeah man 280 was was great um I think the hype was was warranted for two eighty, but I think now when you when you look at all these matchups on two eighty one, uh all everything that goes into it. Um you got the two title fights, you got Poirier Chandler, which which you know that speaks for itself, Frankie Edgar's retirement fight, Dan Hooker trying to get back on track, Rodell Muicano is an outstanding fight, Dominic Reyes returns, Meatball Molly on the prelims. You got hometown flavor with Matt Frivola. Um Against an undefeated
0: Zader that is nicknamed the Bulldozer, and a guy that's, I think, really impressive.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a a tough fight to have in in your hometown for sure. Um, A guy that I really think should not be where he is. I mean, Wellington Terman, I really think should have a few losses, especially to uh, Damn It Misha. Uh, Damn It Misha uh, let me down, but uh, Wellington Terman, I think Petrosky could. could end his night pretty quick but that's neither here nor there uh you got carlos alberg on the card montel jackson sung wu choi this is going to be an outstanding night of fights it's going to be great from start to finish
0: all right let's make some picks um i believe we are going to make five picks on the main card and uh three prelims i didn't even ask you what the prelim fights we're going to pick are because i think it's it's probably fairly obvious um if i miss one that you think deserves to be picked then uh Please throw it out there. But we are going to start in the women's flyweight division. It is Aaron Blanchfield and Meatball Molly McCann. This is terrific matchmaking. Uh, This is as funny a matchup, I think, as you can make in that entire flyweight division. Aaron Blanchfield is a heavy minus 425 favorite, plus 300 for the fan favorite Meatball Molly.
1: Yeah, I mean... I don't I'm not gonna s I am not going to i do not know if these ranking or if these um odds are warranted. Aaron Blanchard is outstanding. And Meball Molly is just a tough she's very, very tough uh fan favorite, like you said, has knockout power. Um but you know I think this is a huge step up in competition for for meball Molly. I think the last couple fights she's she's fought uh at home and the UFC's kind of thrown her some some fights where um where she could look good, where she could get these these knockouts, but Erin Blanchfield is a very huge step up, and Erin uh, Blanchfield is is, is ranked. Um, she's someone who I feel like could potentially be a future champion. Um, she's got a lot of work to do, but and she's very very young in the game. But um, I I think that if Erin Blanchfield doesn't try to fight uh, outside of herself and just keeps you know doing what she, what she's always done. I mean, that win over Miranda Maverick was so shocking and dominant that I, there's no way that I'm picking against uh, Aaron Blanchfield in this fight with Meatball Molly. I think um, Molly McCann is going to be tough. She's um, going to be in her face the whole time. But I think uh, Aaron Blanchfield just has more ways to win it. And I think if she gets to the ground, she's going to be able to control her. So my picks don't go with uh, yep. Aaron Blanchfield.
0: Aaron Blanchfield's only 23, by the way. Uh, she will have a big reach advantage in this match. Uh, she, to me, looks like she's so much more skilled. And you you referenced that Miranda Maverick fight. That was one where I was like, holy cow. Like, what an impressive performance. It's going to be Aaron Blanchfield for me. But I, I, I think that, especially on this stage, having a fight of this magnitude, while maybe Miranda Maverick is a tougher fight than Molly McCann, Molly McCann brings a lot more spotlight to this fight than, like, the Miranda Maverick fight, for example. So only 23 years old. Having this big fight on this big stage in Madison Square Garden on this big UFC 281 card, like as long as she's able to fight her fight and not maybe get swallowed up by the moment itself, you feel like Molly's probably better in the big moments, right? Like with with as many deficiencies as there might be in her game, she just kind of seems like a gamer. She's gonna elevate on a big stage as opposed to shrink. Um, so I think Aaron Blanchfield. I think just it'll be cur- curious to see uh, how comfortable she looks in this fight in that environment. But uh, I like Aaron Blanchfield as well. All right, the light heavyweight division, Uh, this should have been a former light heavyweight champion. Uh, Unfortunately, the judges got it wrong. It is Dominic Reyes and Ryan Spann, the return of Dominic Reyes. Reyes is the minus 220 favorite, plus 175 for Superman.
1: Well, um, the judges were pretty smart on that night back in February 2020. Um, I had it. For John Jones, I had it fifty forty five for John Jones. As a matter of fact, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, here we go. But uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, it's good to see Dominic Reyes back. Um, because I mean, despite me thinking that John Jones won, Dominic Reyes is uh, as talented a, of a fighter in that division that there is. Um, he just fell on some hard times against some very very tough competition. I mean, who in this division is fighting John Jones, Danyal Blahovich? Then uh, Yuri Prohaska. I mean, there's nobody. Dominic Reyes, his his uh, strength of schedule is probably um, tougher than anyone's. So uh, he took some time off, and he's been training with Glover Teixeira, Alex Pejet of that team. Uh, I, I think it's in Nebraska. I'm not sure. But um, I think he, he was looking to add some layers to his game. I mean, we know he's got a good left hand. Uh, his stand-up is really good. He moves really well. Uh, he's very athletic, but I think um, in terms of the MMA whole MMA game, I think he needed to add some things. And you know, maybe he's he was able to add some grappling. Maybe he was able to add um, some takedowns, some take uh, some some top control, and all that stuff. But he's fighting Ryan Span, who is a is a huge individual. I mean, I remember him fighting Kutalaba, and I'm just thinking like, gosh, this dude is massive. Yeah. He's all of about six foot five, and uh, on Friday, he probably weighs about two thirty, two forty. Um, this is going to be a tough matchup for Reyes, but I think um, if he, if Reyes has been, you know, continuously getting better, and uh, if he's adding layers to his game uh, along with the skill he already possesses, I think this should be a, a Dominic Reyes win. Uh, so my picks can go with Reyes, but um, I, I question a little bit on uh, what he's going to look like after, you know, a year and a half off. Uh, after being knocked out a few times, you know, I, I wonder um, if, it's, if if that's going to affect his chin. Like, if he's going to be like, if Ryan Smith touches him, is he going to go down? Like, is, is his chin gone? But um, I think skill-wise, Dominic Reyes is the better fighter, so I'm going to go with Reyes.
0: This is a very worrisome fight to me uh, for Dominic Reyes, and I, I think my main question is, what does his confidence look like? right, because now he's lost three in a row, and this was a guy that was on the doorstep of winning a world championship. Um, you know, to write him off, I think, is premature because, look, that Jan Blachowicz fight, like, there were some big shots going both ways, but he traded with Jan Blachowicz and lost. Like, Jan Blachowicz has as much power as anybody that's ever fought in the 205 division, right? Same thing with Yuri Prohaska. That was a great fight, like a great fight that, that Dominic Reyes also had some big moments in. He just, he, he he lost to a guy that is now the world champion. Um, I hope that he doesn't look at these as, like, I've got to completely reinvent myself, and, and you know, I, I hope that there's not, like, a confidence issue. Uh, also, he's, like you said, he hasn't fought since uh, the early part of 2021 uh, in that Yuri fight. So, you know, talking about a long layoff, um, those are interesting parts of this fight. Also, he's going to be the shorter guy in this matchup, and Ryan Spann has a massive reach advantage, I also think, like, you know, Ryan Spann has been undervalued in terms of uh, his submissions, right? Like, that's a part of his game that I think is probably underappreciated. I think these odds, to me, are ridiculous. I think this should be very, very close. Um, I, you know, I I think Dominic Reyes' ceiling, to me, has been, like, we've seen him fight at a world championship level. We've not seen Ryan Spann fight at a world championship level, so my pick is going to be Dominic Reyes because I feel like the ceiling for him is higher but this is a very dangerous fight. Like to me, the odds should be really close to a coin flip considering uh, the long layoff, uh, just, you know, questioning maybe where his confidence is. And again, size advantage for Span, reach advantage for Span. Um, you know, it's not like Span's a one hitter quitter. Like he does have big power, but he's also more well rounded than people give him credit for. Uh, it's going to be Dominic Reyes for me, but I literally, no part of me would be shocked. In fact, I almost like considered picking Span in this fight. If uh, if Reinspan did win, but welcome back Dominic Reyes. It's good to have him back in the 205 division, and uh, and what a fun fight this this potentially is. All right, in the lightweight division, the feature prelim is Renato Moicano versus Brad Riddell. Another one that uh, should be a ton of fun. Moicano is minus 128. It is even money for Brad Riddell.
1: Uh, I've been going back and forth on this one uh, for a while. Uh, I, I think this is going to be fireworks. Uh, Brad Riddell, I think all he knows is being in the banger of a fight and, you know, Moicano he's come out that fight with the RDA where he showed how tough he is. Um, <clears throat> you know, Brad is going to be at a little bit of a size disadvantage. He's one of a he's a shorter, uh, lightweight, um, but he packs a punch. He's very, very skilled. And, um, if this fight goes into the, you know, into the later stages, I like, uh, Brad a little bit more, but my is very, very tough. He's very talented as well. Uh, man, this, whew. it's a toughie, man.
0: It is a tough one.
1: Yeah, it's, it's I, very I tough. Like I, 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 know that, um, Wiekano beat, uh, Alexander Hernandez and looked really, really good in that fight. Uh, I just think Brad is – I think Brad is so good, man. Uh, give, me, give me Brad Riddell, man. I'm not going to try to you know, put too much into it. Um, I think Brad is just a better guy. I think Moicano is very tough. Uh, I think this is going to be a great fight, but uh, I like the Brad side. I think it's just a little bit more, so give me Brad Riddell.
0: I, I guess for me, I feel like Brad Riddell is going to win the stand-up, and if it's able to go to the ground, you know, Moicano is so dangerous with submissions – um, it's a, I, Brad Riddell is not an easy guy to get down, though, uh, much less control. Um, this is a really tough one. I, I, I'm with you, though. I, I, I think Brad Riddell just so good. Um, you know, I know he's lost two in a row. Jalen Turner right now is a buzzsaw. And there's, you know, I, I'm i curious to see just how high his ceiling is, if he can continue to make 155, because that is a monster of a human being fighting at lightweight. Um, and then what was the... Oh, Fazeev, right? Then he lost to Fazeev, who is also, like... I think elite level lightweight. And this is the lightweight division that I think the elite guys are. There's more elite guys in that division than any other elite guys in any other division. But um, all that is is basically me dancing around, like trying to figure out, yeah, I'm going to go Brad Riddell. (laughs) All right, before we get to the main card, any other prelims that you think we need to make picks on? Or do you think it's uh, pretty clear cut the rest of the way?
1: Yeah, uh, pretty clear cut. I, I, I think there's just some really good uh, prelims, but um, not anything that I would want to uh, make picks on. But there's some pretty solid prelims for sure.
0: By the way, Eugene Behrman is uh, bookending both the prelims and the main card. Carlos Olberg <sighs> to begin the prelims, yeah. Brad Riddell to finish the prelims, Dan Hooker to begin the main card, Israel Adesanya to end the main card.
1: Yeah, he's got his work cut out for him, <laughs> um, to say the least. And these are all high-profile fights. I mean, Alberg is a guy who um, a lot of people think could be a, a light heavyweight contender. Of course, Brad Riddell is a lightweight-ranked uh, guy. Dan Hooker's a lightweight-ranked guy. And then, of course, Izzy is the champion. So um, these guys work out for him, for sure. These are high-level fights, all four of them. All
0: right, the main card of UFC 281 on Saturday night from Madison Square Garden is the, in the lightweight division. It is Dan Hooker and Claudio Poyes. Dan Hooker is the minus-162 favorite, plus-132 for Claudio Poyas.
1: Well, um, if I'm Dan Hooker, I'm, I'm learning how to defend knee bars because this guy, Claudio Poyes, <laughs> is a knee bar uh, machine. Um, and he's, he's got some hands, too, because uh, I remember he knocked out uh, or he dropped Clay Guida in, in their fight. But, uh, you know, I just wonder what Dan Hooker we're going to see because uh, this is a guy before the pandemic started, he beat Paul Felder. But once that pandemic started, he was just on the wrong end of a lot of of a lot of fights. Like the Poirier fight was another war where he looked really good. But after that, Michael Ch- <clears throat> Michael Chandler, um, he did beat. Um, Nasrat Nasrat Hacker Hackerast. Hackerast, yeah. And then he lost to Islam on short notice, and then he dropped to Featherweight, which was a terrible decision, and lost to Arnold Allen. I just wonder uh, what guy we're going to see, um, especially in the stand-up. Uh, I, I wonder if, if, if Dan can find that guy that, that fought Paul Felder and that fought uh, Dustin Poirier. Um, he's still one of the elite guys if he can find that guy and then avoid you know the ground with this Claudio Poirier guy. He's gotta uh, avoid that area and just try to keep it standing and use his length. Um, I think that this is a fight that Dan Hooker should win, but um Claudio Poyas is dangerous uh I, I mean if if that's if that if that's if there's one word that I can use to describe him, it's danger like he is very dangerous on the ground and he can surprise you on the feet. Uh, my pick though, huh. Give me, um... Give me Dan... Give me. Let me go ahead and pick Dan Hooker. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll take Dan Hooker.
0: Alright. I feel like this fight is going to be, for me, similar to the Dominic Reyes-Ryan Spann fight, where my head said Ryan Spann, my heart says Dominic Reyes, and ultimately I feel like Dominic Reyes' ceiling for me is just much higher, so I'm going with my heart and Dominic Reyes. My head says Poyas in this, my heart says Dan Hooker. Um, yes, Hooker has lost four of his last five. He was in a great fight. Like, I know he lost to Poirier, but let's not forget how great that fight was. That was a great fight in which you could have made an argument that Dan Hooker won the fight, right? Like, there was at least—I don't think he did. But there at least could have been an argument to be made that Dan Hooker um, could have got three rounds of those five. Like, that was a very close fight that was fucking awesome. He got taken down by Islam and smothered, which Islam has done that to everybody. Michael Chandler, if he gets his fist on you, not many people are going to survive that. Like, And he got caught by Chandler. Like, I don't know that his skills are bad. He just, you know, Islam's a terrible matchup, and Chandler has knockout power, and if he catches your chin, you're going to go out. Um, Arnold, you know, the step down to Arnold to, to featherweight, I, I thought that was a bad move, and let's also not act like Arnold Allen isn't a contender as well. I think Claudio Poyes is very dangerous. But is he elite-level guy dangerous? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I've not seen enough from Claudio Poyes to say that he is Dustin Poirier, Islam Mahashev, Michael Chandler, or even Arnold Allen at 145. Uh, I do think he's dangerous. Again, my head probably says Puyas, Uh, just because I feel like the ground threat is so dangerous, but I'm going to bank on Dan Hooker still being the guy that we think he is. He's just been on the wrong side of the elite matchups of you know, maybe the most elite division in the sport. Uh, so give me Dan Hooker. I feel like there's a very good chance I, I could be wrong on both Dan Hooker and Dominic Reyes, uh, but like I said, maybe it's, maybe it's heart overhead. In, uh, in picking both of these matchups. All right, fight number two on the main card takes us to the bantamweight division. Will, is this going to be our death taxes and bantamweight fight? Or maybe that maybe that will be done in fight number two of the card with Julio Arce and, and Montel Jackson. But it is Frankie Edgar, former UFC world champion, and Chris Gutierrez, who, by the way, former Extreme Fight Night out of Tulsa participant uh, in a, a big opportunity for Gutierrez and a farewell for Frankie Edgar. Uh, sorry, I forgot the odds. Oddshark.com has Gutierrez as the minus 220 favorite, plus 175 for Frankie Edgar. Well, I'll
1: definitely say um, the, the second fight of the night, Rsa and Montel Jackson, is probably going to be a better representation of the wing division. But I'll say this. Um, my pick is going with Frankie Edgar. I, I don't really have too much of a, of a breakdown that I even care to give. The first time I ever watched the UFC... I saw Frankie Edgar become a world champion. He beat BJ Penn and everybody was telling me that BJ Penn was going to run through this guy, uh, that this was going to be easy. Uh, BJ Penn is such a dominant champion. He's beat this guy, this guy, this guy. The the first time I saw Frankie Edgar fight BJ Penn, he took the title from him. And he, from there, he he went on a run where he was uh, fighting the fights of the year. Remember the Gray Maynard fight, uh, both uh, the Gray Maynard fights, um, the trilogy uh those were awesome uh fighting aldo uh he's he's a former lightweight champion, and he didn't even cut weight like he's a he's a bantam weight now, but this was back when um he didn't even cut weight to uh to 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 become champion and he's fighting guys who are probably twice his size uh, who are actually having to cut weight um Frank Yeager's a legend man uh he's been doing this for a long time since since before I was even watching I've been watching for a while um I have so much respect for him. Uh it's it's sad to see the sport pass someone like Frankie Edgar by. But you could just tell, like, um, he's still he's still tough, but in terms of being elite, he's just not there anymore. And a guy like Frankie Edgar, um, he's a guy that's used to being at the top. And when he's not at the top and there's not a route there, it's time to call it uh call it quit. So um my pick's going with Frankie Edgar just as a um as a salute to him, uh f- for a fantastic career. I hope he gets this win. He's in his, he's fighting in his home state. I mean, there would be no better way for a guy like Frank Eger to go out than with the win in Madison square garden. Uh, he deserves it, man. Um, legendary career. Um, I'm with the answer all day, man.
0: So I've made the case for Dominic Reyes on a three fight losing streak to, to find that ceiling again. I've made the case for Dan Hooker having lost four or five to find that ceiling again. Can't quite get there with Frankie Edgar. Like all everything you're mentioning in terms of the good happened a decade ago. That's the problem. Like Dan Hooker's not that far removed from elite level fights. Um I don't feel like Dominic Reyes is that far removed from elite level fights, although they haven't gone his way. I feel like Frankie Edgar is a ways away from the elite level fights. Um devastating finishes by both Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen. I know he won the decision against Pedro Munoz. I, I don't I don't remember how you scored it. I had scored that fight for Munoz, by the way. Um so I, I thought that uh, that was one that I, I felt like the judges got wrong. And, uh, you know, before that, he had lost three of four in featherweight. I, I would love to see Frankie go out on top. Um, I think he's just fighting a guy that's clearly um, in a different stage of his career. And look, they're not going to give Chris Gutierrez Frankie Edgar, right, if they don't feel like there's a big chance for Chris Gutierrez, I think, to, uh, to maybe uh, capitalize on that. So Chris Gutierrez for me.
1: Man, I'll tell you what. I mean, in terms of the break if you if I were to break down this fight, I would easily pick Chris Gutierrez. Yeah. But yeah. just um I know, I know. I, I gotta do it, man. I know. I mean, Tyron Woodley, um, um Alistair Overy, you've seen me do this <laughs> many, many times before. And it, it hasn't really worked out for me. So I'm kind of expecting this to not go go my way as well, but I'm still just, you know, saluting um the guys who I who I grew up in this sport watching, and Frank Yeager was definitely one of those guys, so I hope he gets this win. Yeah.
0: Listen, I've, I've done it twice on this fight card, right, with both Dominic Reyes and Dan Hooker, but, like, it's one of those things for me where I feel like I can make a reasonable argument for them winning that fight. Like, I have a hard time making a reasonable argument for Frankie to win this this fight, given what I've seen from him. So, I want to pick him just like I picked Dan Hooker and Dominic Reyes, but I, I can't I can't reasonably sell it. So... <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely get the sentiment, for sure. All right, man. Uh, I think this has got the potential to be a fight-of-the-year candidate, and we've had some great fights in 2022. It is Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler in the lightweight division. Do you know the odds on this, by the way? Have you seen the odds?
1: No, um, I haven't.
0: What would you guess the odds are?
1: Well, is for sure the favorite. I'd go Poirier minus 170.
0: Poirier minus 210 plus 173 for Michael Chandler. I was probably closer to your, I, I would have guessed like Poirier 150 maybe.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I just kind of wonder how this fight's going to go. Um, because of course you've got the, you've got the Gaethje Chandler type fight that this fight could be, but you've also got like the, the technical skill type fight that this could be. I kind of don't expect this to be a Gaethje Chandler type fight. I kind of expect this to be more of a of a um, of a technical fight, I guess. Um, you know, Michael Chandler he has to make Dustin like you know. I said this earlier. He's got to um, get in Dustin's face early. He can't let Dustin get started because once Dustin gets started, it's so tough to stop him. Uh, we saw that on display when he fought Conor McGregor in the second fight. Um, once Poirier got those leg kicks started, and once Poirier let was start uh, started to let his hands go, that fight was over uh, in the second round. Uh, I went back and watched uh, Poirier fight Eddie Alvarez. I, I felt like th- that's a fight that's kind of similar. Now Eddie Alvarez tried to fight Dustin's fight, and that served him no good. Michael Chandler, if if if. Okay, Michael Chandler is a is a better wrestler than Eddie Alvarez, and he's more durable than Eddie Alvarez. I think Michael Chandler should try to wrestle. I don't think he should try to make this um a, a a war for the fans. I think he should try to do what he does best, and that's wrestle, uh, or land something, be explosive, and land something like he did against Tony Ferguson. Those are his routes to victory, in, in my mind. Poirier needs to be patient. He needs to um he needs to let the fight come to him once he gets into his rhythm. Like I said, it's very hard to stop him. Um, I don't really see how Michael Chandler stops Dustin Poirier from doing what Poirier wants to do. Once he settles in, it's all a matter of Chandler just stopping him before he ever gets comfortable. Um, but I think over time, especially if, if Chandler even banks the first round, I think by the second round, Poirier is going to get his timing and everything. So, uh, only this, a three-rounder, by tough the way. Fight.
0: This is not, yeah, this yeah, is not I, a
1: five-rounder. I think this is just a real tough tough fight for Chandler, man. So uh, I'm going Poirier. Uh, I've seen too many similar style matchups, like the Conor McGregor and the Eddie Alvarez fight. Um, I think both of those fights are similar to what we could see from Michael Chandler. Uh, I, I just have more faith in what I've seen from Poirier uh, in his line of work, in his resume. So give me Poirier.
0: I think that Chandler kind of takes pride in being arguably the most entertaining fighter in this division, right? Because he's not the champion. He's two and two, actually. He has four fights in this division, but he's two and two. But I feel like he takes a lot of pride in every fight that he's been into. this point has been stylistically pleasing. It's been very entertaining. It's had highlight finishes or it's, you know, fight of the, the night, fight of the year type of candidate. So because of that, I wonder... Can Michael Chandler put that aside and look at this as I could possibly wrestle this guy for three rounds and win the fight? Because I think that is a path to victory for him. Now, you got to get him down, right? But if you can get him down, I think, I think Michael Chandler could control Dustin Poirier on the ground. Uh, I don't know that he would be willing to do that, though, Will. Like, I, I, I just, I don't know. I think he loves the juice of entertaining. And I don't know that he would want to potentially be in a fight where, you know, the crowd's not going wild because it's, it's on the mat. Um, to me, the approach is blitz Poirier out of the gate, right? Try and land a big shot immediately because he has a lot of power. I mean, similar to what he did to Dan Hooker, right? Blitz him immediately, try and land a big shot. And if you don't land something early, then you go to the grappling and that's the path to victory. Um, If he keeps this standing, I mean, short of clipping Poirier and, and landing the big shot, I just think Poirier is going to be so much better in the standup. But, you know, power is the great equalizer. And look, Dustin has a lot of power, but I would say Chandler has more power in this specific matchup right like if yeah, they just trade uh, big shots i feel like chandler's probably gonna get the better end of that absolutely uh poirier is
1: a guy who just who finds the right shot right it's not the most powerful shot but it's that right shot that you may not see coming that that uh that hurts you uh but in terms of just power yeah michael chandler's definitely got the got the bigger power in this fight yeah
0: um, so all that to say, there's no way in hell I'm picking against Dustin Poirier. So Dustin Poirier is my pick. Uh, but yeah, I, if Chandler decides to wrestle here, I, I think that could be very interesting. And I think that would be, in my mind, his path of victory short of, you know, landing yes, a big shot. Sure. So um, I don't know that he would want to do that, man. I, I think, again, I think he thrives on, you know, putting on the exciting performance and getting the juice off of the crowd's energy level. Either way, though, I mean. Uh, Whether it's Dustin or Michael Chandler, can you imagine not only the post-fight interview, but the call-out? Like, what's the call-out going to be? Either way. Because it's going to be something enormous. If I'm
1: Chandler, I got two names. I got the champ and I got Conor McGregor. If I'm Poirier, I got the champ. But I think win or lose, especially lose, though, Michael Chandler, could his next fight could be Conor McGregor. I'm kind of calling that. I think it's going to be, I think Conor McGregor's comeback fight is going to be against Michael Chandler.
0: Be entertaining, right? Absolutely be entertaining. All right. The co-main event is for the women's strawweight championship. It is Carla Esparza as the champion, and it is former champion Zhang Wei Li. Oddshark.com has Zhang Wei Li as the heavy minus 400 favorite plus 300 for the current champion carla esparza
1: yeah um in terms of just matchups this is one of the one of those matchups that's just really really tough for the champ um i think carla is great two-time champion she's used her wrestling to get her to where she is um she's worked on her striking a lot um it's it's not anything special but um it's not as bad bad as it was when she lost the title to, uh, Yoana, um, Carla ha- has definitely become really, really scrappy with her striking. But, uh, this matchup with Wei Li, I mean, Wei Li is a freak athlete. She's very, very strong. I think that's where Carla would have an advantage over most uh, of the girls would be her strength in the wrestling department. But I think, uh, John Wei Li ma- uh, matches that strength and probably surpasses that strength. Um, I think we could potentially see um, a similar fight to how Carl lost to Ioana, um, where she just can't get a takedown. She's desperate for a takedown and she doesn't get it. And then Whaley just kind of tees off on her. Um, I think Whaley's just continuously getting better. Um, I I mean, she was a she's a she's a freak athlete that's just adding skill like um, like a Giannis in the NBA. Like Giannis was a freak athlete who's just continuously adding things to his game. Zhang wei Lee's is just continuously adding you know takedowns and and cleaner striking uh, kicks, you know everything. She's continuously learning she really wants it. she's she's strong. Um, this is Zhang Wei Lee for me. Um, I just don't see how Carla beats her. I mean, if Carla's able to get her down and and get her in a in a very bad spot um, after getting her tired in in the later rounds, maybe, but I just don't see Carla surviving the, the early onslaught, so give me Zhang Wei Li.
0: I would have guessed, and like, i not trying to be disrespectful to the champ at all, but if I if I were to guess where I thought the odds would be, I thought they, I would have guessed like minus 600, Will. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I just, I, yeah, I think, I, like your point, Carla bullies people around, right? Especially on the mat, and I think Zhang Wei Li is, is going to match her, if not surpass her. I, I would guess surpass her in the strength standpoint. Like, if she does get her down, I don't think, like, I think she could have the better moments on the ground, but she's not just gonna rag doll her. Like I there's just I think the strength differential here is is not there where it has been in, in some some of other Carla's other matchups. Um I'm with you. I, I think Zhang Wei Li is just uh, a big force on the feet and I think she's at least strong enough to prevent Carla from uh having her way if it does hit the mat, although I, I would say Carla is, is clearly the better grappler. And uh, maybe she maybe she banks around her, too, if she's able to get her down with control time. But I don't see Carla like beating her up necessarily in that regard. Um, so Zhang Li for me. And uh, I'll say Zhang Li finish.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm with you for sure. Finish,
0: which takes us to the main event of UFC 281. It is a trilogy fight in a sense, although it is the first fight in MMA. It is the middleweight king and he has reigned supremely over this division, and he now faces by far the biggest threat to his title reign that he has seen. It is Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. Israel Adesanya is the minus 185 favorite, plus 150 for the underdog.
1: It's, it's crazy that he's the undisputed king of the middleweights, as John Etik said, and you got a guy who's 3-1, and 4-1, and one, and the odds are this close. <laughs> like that i should tell you everything you need to know about this matchup like i said uh, earlier in the show if you could create a guy to, to go against izzy um you would create a guy like this a tall kickboxer with knockout power uh, um i'm very interested in this matchup very intrigued by this matchup um very very interested in how both these guys will approach this fight i mean we saw what happened in kickboxing we saw the 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 heavy exchanges um both guys know each other so well, and this is just going to be another kickboxing fight. I feel, um, unless there's that slim to none chance where the grappling comes into a, a into effect, I really don't. I really don't see it. But I mean, who knows? Uh, five rounds. Um, it's it's going to be crazy, man. I I can't wait for this fight. I just I can't, in good faith, pick against Izzy, uh, a guy who I've continuously seen uh evolve get better uh he's so defensively responsible and while alex pejeda may have landed that left that put him out while he may have gotten that decision uh over him in kickboxing i kind of feel like izzy might be the better kickboxer i know that's weird i know that's strange for me to say i don't think but, that's strange at all yeah i think I, that makes I all the sense in the world it, yeah i kind of feel like i saw who the better guy was um and if izzy can stay defensively responsible. If Izzy uh, can can if he is able to hurt Alex, if he can you know stay within himself and uh, and not blow his wide, you know maybe we see you know Izzy kind of cruise. You know we we don't know. That's what makes this fight so so good and so interesting. But um, I think that Izzy's so locked in that um, he's going to be so defensively responsible. Like I said, he's got to be perfect for the whole time this fight is going on. Uh, I think that he is going to be perfect. Um, or as close to perfect as it takes to retain his title. So uh, my pick's going to go with Israel Adesanya.
0: I don't think it's even possible in my mind for Izzy to cruise here. Like, he's either going to knock Alex out or he's going to get knocked out. Like, I just don't, like, for him to cruise, to me, would be, like, Alex Pareda decides not to engage, and they just basically stand across from each other, similar to the Yoel Romero fight, and neither one of them does anything. Like that's the only way in my mind. Like when I look at all the possible outcomes, that's the only way in my mind that thing goes the distance. Alex Padilla is going to engage Israel Adesanya, and the question is: Is he's going to hit him, and will he he be able to rock Padilla before Padilla rocks him? Like Izzy is so good, and he fights stylistically the way that he does because he can. Right? He's bigger than he's bigger and longer than everybody in this division. Right? He's six four. He's 80-inch reach, like, nobody can get close to him. Like, that's the advantage he's had in every single... By a mile, like, nobody's even been close. By a mile, he's had the ability to have that distance management because he's so much bigger and longer than everybody else. Guess who is also 6'4"? Alex Padeda. Guess who also has an 80-inch reach? Alex Padeda. Like, he's... I I just... I don't think he's going to be able to just cruise through this fight. Like, there is going to be some exchanges in this. I think similar... I, I think they're going to be much more strategic than the kickboxing fights that we've seen with these two. Like, I, you know, you're not going to survive that many exchanges. So I think it will be more strategic in terms of when they do exchange. But there is no... Like, in my mind, I, I would be shocked if this thing goes the distance. There's going to be a sequence of exchanges where one guy is going to finish the other guy. And I think it could go either way. Like, if Israel Adesanya hits Alex Pereira with some of the same shots but wearing UFC gloves... That he did in those... Like, he could win the fight. He could finish Panetta, and vice versa. Um, I think there's going to be a sequence at some point where they trade, and I'll just say that uh, Panetta gets the better end of it. But, like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Izzy won this fight two minutes in by landing a big shot. That wouldn't shock me at all. It wouldn't shock me at all if that was the other way around either. I would be stunned if this thing goes five rounds, though. Absolutely floored if we get five rounds... Because that means, they, in my mind, that means they haven't really fought. Like I just I don't see where either one of these guys survives if they're actually engaging each other. Because one of them is going to land a big shot at some point. We've seen it. One of if they exchange, one of them is going to land big shots, and uh, with UFC gloves on, I, I don't I don't think that there's going to be a survivor if you have that many exchanges. So this is going to be a finish in my book. I'd be shocked if it's a decision um, because it's going to be a finish. Give me the guy that has, I think, the more lethal shots. Um, and that's going to be Alex Pereira and new in the main event. I can't wait for this fight.
1: Yeah. Look, um, when I say cruise, I didn't necessarily mean like, um, cruise to a decision. I kind of meant more. So like, like he would be winning. Yeah. Pick him apart. Win the rounds. That type of thing. Um, yeah. I, uh, I can't wait for this fight, man. It's it's so interesting, it's so intriguing. I'm kind of I'm kind of of the mindset that maybe it takes them a while to engage because they kind of know each other so well. Um, like you said, there's going to be a, a point where they exchange leather. How early or how late that happens? Because I I kind of feel early on, especially with this being five rounds, because those kickboxing fights, if I'm if I'm correct, those were only three round fights. That's right. Um. I kind of feel like with this being five rounds, um, we could see early on th- these two guys just kind of filling each other out, especially in the first round. I don't know who's going to engage first, but I think Izzy is has done this part before. Um filling filling the person out and knowing how to bank rounds, um not, you know, doing much. Right. Right. So um I, I feel like that could be a factor in the early rounds. Now, as we get into the the the, the mid the midpoint of the fight, that's when it's going to get really interesting because I think that's when we're going to see some leather really exchanged. Um, and, you know, like you said, I mean, it, it could be a finish. It, it's probably likely that it's going to be a finish, but I'm kind of of the mindset that we may not see many of those exchanges and they may come few and far between. And then by the end of the fight, we're gonna be wishing that there was more. I don't know, man. That would that's be just, incredibly disappointing. That that would, but if, you know, I will this say this: is,
0: if you tell me right now that this is gonna be a decision fight, I would say yeah. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure Israel Adesanya wins the fight.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of where that's that's yeah. where I'm at. That's where my head is. Uh, but
0: I just don't think it's yeah. going there. Like I, I agree with you. I, like, I think that Pareda will be the first one to engage. Like, if I had to put money on it, I, I would feel pretty confident about putting money on Pareda being the first one to engage. If I had to put money on what the first round looks like, I think the first round is probably... Like, I, will, I think it will be thrilling because I'll be on the edge of my seat. Like, actually, that's bullshit. I'll be standing up for the entirety of this fight. But I'll be chewing my fingernails off waiting for one of these guys to throw a shot because you just feel like at any given point it's like TNT that's going to blow up. But I, I would imagine there's not a lot of not a lot of anything. Like, I think it's going to be a feeling-out process for the majority of the first round. And maybe we don't get a whole lot, but I think at some point, Pereda will engage first. I'm guessing the first round is fairly boring. And then at some point in the second round to the third round, there's going to be some exchanges, and somebody's not going to survive it. But if it's a decision, I completely agree with you. I, I don't see where... Because if Israel Adesanya has survived five rounds with Alex Pereda, then it's it's clearly because he's not getting hit right
1: yeah um i i just feel like that's uh it's it's more likely than we think because of how well they know each other there i feel like they're going to be not timid but they're going to think you know twice or three times before actually engaging i do feel like alex is going to be the one to engage um when that is i don't know but uh that's what makes this fight just so interesting and so intriguing there's so many routes there's so many scenarios of how this fight can go maybe we see izzy be be the aggressor because in the in those kickboxing fights izzy was was very aggressive um izzy was 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 the one who was kind of initiating things so i don't know man it's gonna it's gonna be a a, a very interesting man i i can't wait to see it what do you make of um what do you make of is he not being very vocal leading up to this fight? And then what do you make of Alex Pajeda kind of, you know, poking fun at him a little bit with uh, the, with the tennis ball stuff, you know, kind of mocking him a little bit. What do you think of, of that stuff?
0: I think that is Paneta trying to sell the fight like he should. Like I, I would imagine like his people are telling him that he needs to try and help sell the fight, especially if he's gonna be the champ, right? Like y- you've got to have something to you. Uh, so that's probably part of it. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, an hour and a half ago, like the, the psychology part of this on Izzy's side of the matchup to me is very interesting. Like, I don't know if him not talking as much is like, he's really focused because he's lost to this guy twice. Or if him not talking is like, you know, maybe there's a nervousness there that he could lose again. And it, maybe there's a, a, a mental edge in Panetta's favor. Uh, that is a very interesting part of the dynamic in this fight. So, yeah, I think it's it's valid to pay attention to and and something that I'll be monitoring all of Fight Week. I will say this. If this is a boring fight, then whatever that fire is in Alex Panetta's eyes has clearly burnt out because that guy looks like a killer. Every time I've seen him, there he looks like he's like a cyborg assassin just waiting on somebody to hit the, like, go kill button, right? And... If he doesn't do that on Saturday, that would be shocking to me. Yeah. um... He looks like a cyborg killer. Like, he has that, like, look in his eyes. Like, he wants to go get in a fight. If he didn't get in a fight Saturday, I would be like, what the fuck is this? Like, there are some guys that, like, get in these matches. Like, no part of me was surprised that Cannoneer didn't really engage Izzy. Like, that was not a surprise to me. I'd be shocked if this guy didn't engage Izzy. Like, I would be shocked if he just allowed five rounds to go by without this being a fight, like I, it, it would stun me.
1: Yeah, I am with you there. I mean, he does look like a killer. Um, and you know, the way he walks out, he does that little, that little thing. And then he does the arrow and all that stuff. Like, it looks like a guy who, <laughs> it looks like a guy who's ready for for war. Ready for war um, yeah. so yeah, uh, um, man. Yeah. Maybe we do see a finish, man.
0: I'm banking on it. It's gonna be a finish. I, I don't know who's gonna get the finish. Like I said, I like I'm I'm like fifty-fifty. I think this could go either way. I'll take the guy with more power because I'm I feel like this is going to be a finish. But dude, Izzy could land a big shot. Like Panada's not been great defensively. We saw that against Bruno Silva. And Izzy rocked him in kickboxing. Izzy could end the like I think Izzy could easily end this with one shot. So it's gonna be fun. But I, I I do think somebody's going out. Somebody's going to sleep. I can't wait.
1: It's gonna be so it's <laughs> gonna be so crazy if Izzy did all this, all built this whole legacy, ran the midway division for years. Like his last kickboxing fight was against Alex Bejeda, that knockout. He comes to the UFC, becomes a superstar, one of the highest paid fighters in the UFC, longtime champion, one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. It's going to be so crazy if all of that is just Taken from him by the same guy who beat him twice in kickboxing. Like, who? by, by another knockout too. Jeez. Wild, <laughs> oh man. man. It'll be wild. I can't, I can't wait. wait for this one. Man. Cannot
0: wait. All right, man. We crossed a lot of ground tonight. Good podcast. Uh, I think it's going to be an even better fight card on Saturday night. That is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Again, UFC 281 on Saturday. It is pay-per-view fight week. Will, a lot of fun, man. We'll do it again next week.
1: Yes, sir. And still. The is over.